0: My guest today, Dr. Joel Harder, a published researcher on digital communications. And what does that have to do with real estate? Well, this is very interesting as so much in our world today has gone virtual and digital. Uh, Joel, tell us what what this study that you, you mentioned to me, uh, what this study involves.
1: Well, Daryl, I worked uh, with a, a fellow researcher and we did a statewide case study uh, where we looked at multiple sectors, private business, uh, public state agencies, educational entities, nonprofits, and we wanted to understand what people's experience was as we as a whole state and obviously nation and, and really world suddenly shifted to a distributed workforce and were only able to Uh, really connect through digital tools. And what we wanted to do was gain some real data that would help us understand what that experience was like in the state of Oklahoma and understand how the digital tools uh, fostered the ability for people to connect and also collaborate and work in this time. So what does this have to do with real estate?
0: I mean, I'm here having you on a real estate program, and I was so intrigued by what you had to say and where our conversation had gone Share that, uh, that aspect with us.
1: You know, obviously, there's been a lot of conversation over the last many months about what the new normal will be. And it's pretty well accepted that that some things are simply going to be forever changed because of this experience we've had shifting to uh, digital workplaces, virtual workplaces and distributed uh, distributed workforces but what we wanted to do is really understand what uh, what has actually been kind of halted in uh, in this experience those practices that have have gone away but will come back and what have been truly disrupted and one of the things where i really think it connects to real estate uh, and there's a lot of implications is is just to recognize that the overall experience with digital communications especially when it comes to the ability to work uh, and to work from home was re- overall positive. People found that these tools did work. And probably the most significant data tool, uh, data point that I would want to point to is when we asked uh, respondents to the study, you know, post COVID, what is your work from home or remote work preference? Uh, and we gave a bunch of options from, I don't ever want to do this again, to I want to do it full time. We even gave people the opportunity to say, 15 flex days that I could use whenever, the largest majority of our responses, uh, almost half of all responses were, I want to work from home two to three days per week. And that is going to have significant implications on on business, on the expectations of the labor market and the workforce. Uh, How will uh, private residences be developed to accommodate home offices? How will businesses you know, think about their brick and mortar presence and what really will go into the headquarters so to speak there's going to be long lasting implications but the the main thing that we understood in in this study is that this really is a a permanent way of life change that we are seeing come out of this experience Didn't this bring a lot of fascination? I mean, let me
0: let me throw some things out that I have pondered and thought about and read journal articles just on and on. I even visited with the National Association of Realtors about what does the future of our commercial real estate look like, such as mall parking lots now that Uber is here and things that we never conceived of before, where you you just borrow transportation and and even if that only brings down a uh, 500 cars now it, you only need parking for 400 cars there's an evolution that takes place as our our communities have codes and building requirements and and of course we can look at it now we can see this sea of asphalt which has absolutely no use and contributes nothing to our community right and now we're migrating back towards these walkable areas and and things bike bike paths are, are very very popular and common and it might seem disconnected to someone who's just listening passively right now but when you start drilling down on these things this data is what makes it very applicable so I I remember when I was starting in real estate the the big trend was okay now we need to build houses to accommodate a a big screen TV well a big screen TV to a young person today is just a large TV screen but you don't think about it in terms of the original big screen TVs which might have been the, the rear projection TVs could be like six feet deep And so you had to have these large recesses and those things are now uh all almost all gone but these built-ins that we created for them that were several feet deep are that's what creates a dated property an old property would have one car garage two car garage now three car garage but as we're seeing uh, preferences change with transportation what does that look like in five, ten, twenty years when we don't have to store all of these vehicles the way we used to? Now, that's a multitude of perspectives from from my thoughts. What are you saying, and what kind of uh, triggered things with the data that you produced?
1: So I'm thinking of residential property. And you know, I, you know I've bought a couple of houses over over my life, and you go with a realtor to look at a piece of property and you have the old, comment you know well this this room could be a great could be used as an office and and that could be very effective that that's not going to be the expectation anymore as as people are uh, either you know purchasing new homes or looking at their existing homes uh, you know private residences may need to be developed with a very intentional Home office in mind, maybe the the materials that are going into the construction of that home office, you're doing more to soundproof that space so that it's more isolated. Perhaps you're creating you know greater levels of infrastructure for internet connectivity because now it's no longer you know well this room could be used as an office, but you're going to need actual dedicated office space that can allow you to work at, at that level of connectivity, um, you know over the internet and through digital tools with a distributed team. So that's, you know, whether it's retrofitting, you know, your current you know private residence, uh, or it's developing new uh, home offices or new private residences with home offices in mind. I think that's that's a significant thing to to think about. Uh, another area that that I've really looked at, both the study kind of bears it out, but others are writing about it too, is the idea of where do people live or where are people going to want to live. Uh, one author who writes for the Information Magazine uh, is talking about the flight to the exurbs. It, it's no longer just You know, get into the suburbs of a metro area, but actually to those, you know, kind of kind of bedroom communities, you know, 30 and 40 minutes out from a metro area where people have more space. And so we may see smaller communities actually grow. Uh, those more rural communities we think of in Oklahoma, they may, there's an opportunity that they could grow because people could choose to live in those areas and get away from the congestion uh, and still be able to work. Um, When I think about the actual commercial real estate property or businesses and organizations, a lot of thinking needs to go into what do we use that space for? Is it, you know, there's a lot of different ideas out there from collaborative workspaces to kind of open office concepts where you can create, you know, a shared workspace and let people spread out. Um, but is the purpose of your headquarters built more around housing people that are going to be actually there working? Or is it, uh, with an intentional thought to how are we going to house sensitive data or, or, uh, proprietary information to maintain the security of of our of our data for our work in our company rather than providing office space. Well, the real key to
0: me that I
1: that I hear is is where that where people go when you're talking about. Did you call it x burbs It was the an, an author with the information magazines called it the exurbs. burbs Well, where people can go and I see this now just on a daily basis
0: selling homes the question is what kind of internet services are available at this location when especially when people are getting outside of a metro area and or outside of the city and if if you have high-speed internet then you're on the list if not somebody who works from home and especially needs any kind of video conferencing they, they can't choose your house as much as they may love your house it may be a great price they simply cannot work there and Having that, that Internet access for these small communities, I think, is going to be the the sign as to whether or not they uh, attract new people and and thrive as a small community or if they continue to struggle. The other thing, and this is a, a tip for home buyers today, if you're building a home, it, I think one of the biggest mistakes you can make is not putting fiber not wiring the house with fiber wireless is great but having fiber to the house it, it, once the fiber comes to your home if it gets shut down with with a copper connection you're missing the entire benefit of having fiber so consider that small extra expense when you're building a house so that you have something that's really prepared for uh, future technology.
1: We found in our study, I mean, that's a very good point, because access to reliable high speed Internet is not true for everyone. Uh, And particularly when you're thinking of, obviously, you know, we have this emergency situation going on right now, and and we need to think about how do we plan for the next six to 12 to 18 months, but even beyond, uh, beyond emergency condition, how how we will as a society have adopted and maybe even prefer remote work. But you think of your school, uh, your kids in school, and and that was a real problem with those from the education community who were responding to our surveys. You know, reliable Internet's not true for everyone. And so coming out of this... Uh, we think that you're going to see some some initiatives, maybe some public-private partnerships to increase uh, broadband access, particularly in in these more rural communities that have the opportunity, maybe very desirable for somebody to go and live uh, in that community if they have the opportunity to work. Well, aside from this specific r- real estate
0: demand, think of it in terms. and This is for the listener of what this means for a young child growing up in a, a poor community that doesn't have access to high-speed internet with so much being done online education access to information and how you're able to develop your education as a young person versus uh, when you have no no access or you have to go to the library to get it it's not in your home and you take that to a, a an extreme of a more affluent home that, has that can afford the expense. I mean, high-speed internet can be very expensive. And that is, um, that is our new library system. That's the, that's the access that we need to, to prevent this disparity between our poor and affluent in the same community. And I don't know the best way to, uh, to express that at, at this point, but I, I think maybe I've made my point clear, and Joel, maybe you can help me with that
1: that's part of the equation now there's no doubt that uh, access to technology is going to be uh, one of the indicators uh, about that, that will separate you know and and uh, you know broaden the divide between uh, those who are successful and upwardly mobile and those who are who are struggling in our in our society and that's why i think that there's going to be a lot of 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 work done in this area over the next uh, few years whether that's you know private you know public-private partnerships or that's, you know, you know, state governments and, and, and state agencies working to expand access or subsidize uh the cost of, of broadband access. But that's a key variable uh that is that's gonna be with us from now on, uh, not just in where we live and how we live, but helping everybody in our in our community to continue to to succeed and grow and thrive and, and move up uh, socioeconomically. Well that is um,
0: that is the, the opportunity that needs to be afforded to everyone and a book that I read I don't know if you've read this Fiber by Susan Crawford and the but the coming tech revolution and why America might miss out and I found it very eye-opening from someone who understands technology already, how how deep of an issue this can be. And we just refer to it as fiber, but we can't take for granted the the difference it makes in our community. And what's your future real estate value? So uh, not just the um, the more benevolent side of it, making sure everyone has an opportunity, but what does it mean to your real estate value if you're just trucking along? and, And one day your Internet access has more to do with the value of your home than how updated it is. That is the update. So uh, Joel Harder, Dr. Joel Harder, a published researcher on digital communications, published researcher,
1: where do we find out more about your publications? You can go to uh, digitally-connected.com digitally-connected.com and you can download the full uh the full findings we've published them there with there are seven key findings multiple data points uh and uh, and and really the reason we believe that this study was so needed and necessary is you you mentioned this idea of the tech revolution and what what will we miss out on uh we cannot ignore the fact that this experience in 2020 uh, from, from COVID uh, is, is a flashpoint. And it and it has changed. The comment in tech circles is that uh, digital transformation advanced 50 years in five months. Uh, leaders and organizations and businesses uh, adopted and adapted to these technologies, saw they worked, saw their value. People were able to to work and be productive and collaborate at high levels. And so, uh, you know, digitally-connected.com. You can find our findings there, uh, and also just. I'm an optimist, Daryl, and I I know 2020 has been a hard and and, uh, uncomfortable and uncertain year, but As we take some of this data and some of what we're learning in this experience, we're applying it to real estate, applying it to business, and we really want leaders to be able to take this data and apply it to their organizations. I believe that we may look down the road, you know, 5, 10 years and see how dramatically different we're working, where we're living, how we're operating, and who knows, we may look back on 2020 and say that was the year that made it possible.
0: Well, as you know, in 2012 is when... I brought EXP Realty, the uh, the company, to Oklahoma, and we don't even have offices. We have uh, mm-hmm. we have virtual offices, and it's like playing a game. My kids would look over my shoulder in those early years and say, "What game are you playing, Dad?" And that was our office. That's huh. how I was communicating with yeah. avatars and other people. So, uh, in most ways, it's really been absolutely no change to us to go virtual, but. To see others come along and now benefit from that is a is a real uh, reward and I think a positive step. So, Dr. Joel Harder and uh, digitally hyphen connected
1: connected yeah okay
0: dot com, and I'll put that on my website darylbaskin where many of you will go to find out what was that I was listening to. You are listening to the future of real estate on FM one hundred two point three and AM seven forty KRMG. I'm Daryl Baskin. Dr. Harder, thank you for your time. Thank you so much.